0: Eight Logical Fallacies That Mess Us All Up by Mark Manson. I'm gonna be honest, most courses you take in university aren't worth a whole lot. That's not because the professors are bad or the coursework is pointless, although sometimes that definitely is the case. I mean that most of the courses you take will never be all that relevant to the rest of your life. But then, every once in a while, Often by accident, you stumble into a course that is hugely impactful on your life. That happened to me in my sophomore year. I needed to take an elective from the humanities department, and not wanting to get sucked into a seminar on romantic literature of the 1840s or whatever, I went for the least humanities oriented thing that I could possibly find on the list, a philosophy course called Logic and Reasoning. It probably ended up being the most valuable course I ever took in my life. From day one, I loved my logic course. Each morning, we'd all come into the class and find a question like this on the board. Every time a train arrives at the station, there are many passengers on the platform. You arrive at the station and many passengers are waiting on the platform. Is it necessarily true that a train will arrive soon? Pretty much everyone in the class would answer yes and then become infuriated when the professor told us the correct answer was no. Just because trains always arrive when there are many passengers does not mean that many passengers will always result in a train arriving. I don't think I've ever seen so many pissed off 20 year olds as I did in that class each week. Many people would accuse the professor of just making shit up to humiliate them and give them poor grades. Others simply couldn't follow what was going on, struggling to follow the steps in reasoning between people, train, and time. But I loved it. Despite the outrage, the professor was demonstrating some of the most fundamental principles of thinking. Just because two things often occur together does not mean that they will necessarily always occur together. Just because a line of reasoning is intuitive does not mean it's correct. Logic can often be counterintuitive. Logic is the bedrock of pretty much all human knowledge. As such, philosophers have killed many trees over the centuries, analyzing and determining the principles that define logic and reason. Their ambition has been to determine what we can know to be true and what we cannot know to be true. What most people don't realize, though, is that logical fallacies, that is, error in judgment and reasoning, are often incredibly common in day-to-day life. Worse, we're mostly unaware of how they disrupt and harm our lives, often in profound ways. These fallacies are right in front of our noses, yet we are so comfortable with our own thought processes that we fail to spot them. This article will take you through some of the most common logical fallacies. It will teach you how to not only spot them in yourself, but also how to spot them in others. First up, correlation is not causation. Let's start with probably the most important fallacy to understand, the one you and I and everyone we know fucks up with abandon. Correlation is not causation. Just because two things regularly occur together does not mean one causes the other. Let's pretend for a second that today, I ate some ice cream and you lost your job. And what's crazier is that the last time I ate ice cream, somebody else lost their job. Would you then say that me eating ice cream causes people to lose jobs? If so, this would be one strange superpower. Or would you simply say that these are two common occurrences that happen to be occurring together for a short period of time? You would say the latter. Yet, you'd be surprised how often this sort of thing gets passed off as news in the world. You often see news articles announcing things such as social media causes anxiety and depression, or that employment is caused by raising the minimum wage. Yet, when you dig into the data, the researchers found correlations, ice cream and job losses, and not causation. Anxiety and depression increased and social media usage increased. That doesn't mean one caused the other. It could be a coincidence. There could be some mysterious third force causing both. The arrow of causation could even point in the other direction. For example, people are becoming more depressed, so they retreat to social media more often to feel better. Two things occurring together does not tell us much about whether one caused the other. This is a huge problem in academic research. Scientists frequently present data in a way that suggests causation when all they found is a correlation. And even if they don't present it that way, journalists will often take correlational data and write about it as if it's causative. The fact is, so much stuff happens at the same time, and we have no idea why. You could argue that almost any correlation looks like causation if you wanted it to. In fact, there's a website called Spurious Correlations that does just that. For example, here's a chart of the correlation between Nicolas Cage movies and deaths caused by drowning in a pool. If you go to the website, you'll see a number of charts here that show these statistics have very strong correlations. Here's cheese consumption and the number of people killed by their bedsheets. But my favorite is probably the correlation between the divorce rate in Maine and per capita consumption of margarine. Someday there's going to be a politician in Maine shouting, We can no longer let our families be destroyed by margarine. Just you wait. Slippery slope fallacy. Stop me if you've heard this line of reasoning before. We can't let teenagers drink alcohol because if they drink alcohol, then they'll start doing drugs. And if they do drugs, then they'll become criminals. And if they become criminals, then they'll end up in prison and ruin their lives. Therefore, allowing teenagers to drink alcohol will ruin their lives. The slippery slope fallacy is when you take one mild negative consequence and tie it with a similar but extreme negative consequence and then argue that one will necessarily lead to the other. You see this fallacy show up in all sorts of places especially within business organizations foreign policy and yes paranoid parenting the truth is that some but not all kids who drink alcohol will do drugs some but not all kids who do drugs will become addicts some but not all addicts will become criminals some but not all criminals will ruin their lives therefore it is logically inaccurate to compare drinking alcohol with ruining a life Not to mention, the data that shows that teenagers who drink alcohol are X times more likely to do drugs could be another case of correlation is not causation. The slippery slope fallacy often fucks us up because it generates a lot of unnecessary fear and anxiety. We mess up an assignment at work, the boss gets mad, you start thinking, well, if the boss is mad, then she's going to hate me. And if the boss hates me, then I'm going to get fired. And if I get fired, I'm going to be homeless. Oh my God, I don't want to be homeless. Calm your shit, bucko. There are a lot of steps between a TPS report and homelessness. False dichotomies. There are some classes of arguments where there are legitimately only two options. For instance, I could say there are two kinds of people in this world, people named Ron and people not named Ron. This is a true dichotomy or a division of two. You're either named Ron or you're not. But a false dichotomy is when a set of options is presented as if there are only two, But in reality, many more options can exist. For example, if I said there are only two kinds of people in this world, people named Ron and fucking idiots, this is a false dichotomy. Why? Because these two options do not encompass all the potential options. There are plenty of people not named Ron who are not idiots. Also, and I can tell you this from experience, there are plenty of people named Ron who are total fucking idiots. False dichotomies are used to manipulate people into allying with the speaker. You often hear politicians or other leaders say, you're either with us or against us, as a way to whip people into line. But this is a false dichotomy. You could be indifferent. You could be partially with them and partially against them. You could be against everybody. Don't buy into this bullshit. But false dichotomies often hurt us when we judge ourselves. We often say things to ourselves like, if I worked harder, I wouldn't be such a loser. Well, you know you could be a loser who works hard, right? You can also be a loser and not work hard too. In fact, being a loser and working hard are completely arbitrary things that you just decided to force into a false dichotomy. Why? To feel like shit about yourself. Now why would you do that? I bet your name is Ron. Begging the question. Begging the question occurs when someone's argument relies upon its own assumptions to make its case. For example, Someone could say, everything in the Bible is true. Why? Because in the Bible, it says everything in the Bible is true. Or, my husband always knows what's right for me. Why? Because he told me that he always knows what's right for me, and he's always right, so... This is often called circular reasoning, because if you follow the logic, it just leads you in a circle. But similar to the fallacies above, begging the question can be subtle as well. For example, I once got in an argument with an anarchist about politics. (laughs) Never recommended, by the way. He said that any organization that commits violence and wields influence over the population is inherently evil. Well, when you boil down to it, part of the function of any government is to monopolize violence and wield influence over the population, ideally for the benefit of all. I spent the better part of 10 minutes trying to explain to this guy that he was simply restating the same belief over and over. Yet, as you can imagine, it didn't really go anywhere. Red herrings. Red herrings are arguments that seem relevant to an issue, but are actually not. For example, we could be arguing about whether being vegetarian is more ethical than eating meat. Then, in the middle of a perfectly fine argument, I blurt out, well, Hitler was a vegetarian, and he surely isn't ethical. This is a distraction from the real point of the debate, whether eating meat is inherently unethical. These kinds of distractions from the argument are known as red herrings, and if you, God forbid, spend a lot of time watching and reading the news, you will notice a large proportion of what is said and written is some form of red herring. Red herrings are also usually logical fallacies themselves. For example, The assumption that because Hitler was a vegetarian and Hitler was unethical, vegetarianism must be unethical, is known as the fallacy of composition, when something that is true for a part is assumed to be true for the whole, i.e. Paul is American and Paul is short, therefore Americans must be short. Red herrings are often used by people to divert blame away from themselves. For example, I could go to my friend John and say, John, you stole my bike. And then John replies, property is just a social construct. You really didn't lose anything. After all, you have money for a new one. To which I'd say, but money's not the point. You fucking stole my bike. John would say, millions of things get stolen every day. I don't understand why you're so upset. Because you fucking stole my shit. Wow, man, you've clearly got some anger problems going on there. You know, I don't think I want to deal with someone who's so angry all the time. I'm going to bike home now. Ah! We all know a John. Don't be friends with a John. Appeals to the bandwagon, authority, and pity. When in an argument, it's tempting to skip the logic and go straight to appealing to some outside source to make your point feel more resonant. Well, unfortunately, logic doesn't give a shit about your feelings. A bad argument is a bad argument, regardless of who agrees with you. There are three common appeals that people make when trying to win points for their side. An appeal to authority? Well, the president said it's true, so it must be true. An appeal to pity? I know the data says that social media isn't the problem, but these poor kids have so much anxiety. We should still get rid of their phones. Or an appeal to the majority? Everyone I know says that vaccines are dangerous, so it must be true. The hypersocial nature of our species causes us to appeal to outside influences. We all want to belong to a community. We all want to associate with high-status people. We all want others to know that we're kind and considerate. The problem is that none of these things have anything to do with logic or truth. If something is true, it's true whether anyone believes it or not. At the end of the day, the truth doesn't give a shit about you or me or anyone else. We care. And because we care, we trick ourselves into thinking that these opinions affect the truth when they don't. Ad hominem. Remember when you were a kid and you'd get in an argument with another kid and they'd point out how wrong you were and at a complete loss of how to defend yourself, you'd blurt out, well, you're just a smelly goat face. I don't listen to smelly goat faces and stomp off as if that solved something. Yeah, that's an ad hominem fallacy. Sometimes rather than attack somebody's argument, we just attack the person. You'll see this all the time in politics. Senator X wants to reform education. Senator Y doesn't. But instead of arguing against Senator X's proposals, Senator Y just calls Senator X a smelly goat face. Voters cheer, Senator Y wins re-election, democracy continues on as planned. Sadly, the ad hominem fallacy seems to be the fallacy of choice in political discourse and much of journalism these days. Political opponents rarely seem to be able to debate issues without launching personal attacks on one another that have nothing to do with the argument at hand. The straw man fallacy. If the ad hominem fallacy is the bread and butter of politics, then the straw man fallacy is the bread and butter of social media. Rather than debating a claim based on its merits, we sometimes substitute a distorted, exaggerated, or otherwise ridiculously misrepresented version of the argument to more easily attack it. This is what is called the straw man fallacy, because like replacing a real person with a person made of straw, you're replacing a stronger argument with a weaker one in order to more easily discredit it. Straw man arguments are quite common, and shockingly dumb. You're pro-choice? So, you enjoy killing babies, I see. You want to reduce the defense budget? You must hate the military and don't support our soldiers. More subtle examples of the straw man fallacy are quite common, too. For instance, someone might argue that we should work to reduce the prison population by enforcing more lenient punishments for non-violent drug offenses. A subtle but common straw man argument is that Such a view is soft on crime. This distorts the original argument by implying that all crimes should be punished more leniently, when the real argument is that some drug crimes don't warrant prison time. The real damage of the straw man fallacy isn't necessarily that it's wrong, it's that it distracts everyone horribly from the real issue at hand. People spend the entire time defending their beliefs from ridiculous characterizations, and no one actually talks about real issues. The importance of sound reasoning. So if you haven't noticed, we all kind of suck at this logic and reason thing. This list is just a tiny slice of the logical fallacies pie, but probably accounts for a significant portion of what we think and are exposed to each day. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't make every effort to be better. After all, logic and reason are our life preservers in a vast sea of uncertainty and bullshit. To let go of the life preserver, to cling on to the latest greatest fad or the dipshit who's currently on your screen, well... That's intellectual suicide. Not to mention that a lot of these logical fallacies can turn you into an insufferable dick pretty quickly. Debating with someone over the merits of an idea or argument is already contentious enough, but falling into the trap of these logical fallacies, many of which hinge on making a mockery of the other person's ideas or the person themselves, will not make you the biggest hit at children's parties. Not to mention people won't exactly be thrilled to talk to you about anything important or meaningful. At best, fallacious reasoning keeps bad ideas alive. At its worst, it pits us against each other in a hopeless downward spiral of tit-for-tat where nobody really wins and everyone definitely loses. Logical reasoning isn't about winning an argument. It's about finding the truth. And inevitably, getting closer to the truth requires one to recognize and admit when they're wrong. And that's something that you, me, and all the Rons of the world could be a bit better at.